our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. This is another excellent behavioral podcast for all my behavioral nerds out there that want to dive deep into what the heck is going on uh, with dogs. Um, this is this is an interesting one. I'll leave it at that. Um, when we're dealing with dogs who all of a sudden just start changing, but then also after we talk and go through things, we're like, "Oh, this isn't this isn't a sudden change. This has actually been happening." And trying to figure out those subtleties is very big. So I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. Uh, if you guys want to work with me, everything is in the description. Of, of course, questions, um, sorry, wow, courses and my online program, all of our merch supporting and all that stuff. Um, listen to the end of the podcast because I'll be answering three of your listeners, you guys, your dog training questions. And if you want me to answer your dog training questions specifically on the next podcast, head over to the iTunes review chart and leave your review in your question in your review. All right, I'll talk to you guys at the end. Okay, what's going on? Sounds like you got some stuff going on. We do. So we have, we adopted a dog on October 11th. He was found on the streets, um, essentially completely bald from mange, um, terrible, terribly thin, malnutritioned, all of that. Um, basically, just to kind of give you like, we're, we're working with like, we solve one problem and then another problem pops up. And with for the last week, we've been having a really bad problem with unpredictable behavior. Would it be best to kind of like start with when we got him and work you through all the training we've done and where we're at? Or do you want to know first the issue we're currently dealing with? Let's start with the issue first. Let's start with that. And okay. then we'll see if we need to unpack anything else from there. Okay. So last Sunday... Um, that would have been uh, January 14th. Um, Watson was staying with a friend who she's at our house regularly. Um, she is an integral part in his training and his, helps take care of him. So she's very familiar with him. Um, he had a little diarrhea. He didn't seem to feel real well. He was laying on her lap and she was petting him. And then all of a sudden he started growling and showing his teeth at her. So she immediately stood up because we do have issues with him having aggressive behavior. You know, he fell to the floor. A little while later, she sat back down. He climbed back into her lap and did it again. And so she called me and I immediately took him to the vet because it sounded like maybe something was wrong. Mm -hmm. And they couldn't find anything wrong with him. On the 5th, January 15th, he was completely normal. Like we went to the vet on the 14th. They 
cleared his anal glands. He seemed fine the rest of the day. January 15th, completely normal behavior, nothing to worry about. Then January 16th, um, he bit our newest puppy for no reason. Um, he growled and snapped at our older dog for what appeared to be no reason. Um, he growled and showed his teeth at Jeff when Jeff was trying to simply pet him. So I isolated him for the day. And then in the evening time, I took him with me to the gym to kind of get him some activity. Um, he loves going to the gym. While we were there, people were petting him. Everything seemed fine. And then things weren't fine. Uh, he mm -hmm. started growling and snapping at someone. He was sitting in their lap and they were petting him. Um, he started growling and snapping at them. I was able to pull Watson away from him so no one got hurt. Mm -hmm. Then the next morning, um, he growled, showed his teeth, and then jumped and bit me on the hand when I was trying to put a leash on him, um, which is abnormal behavior. I took him to the vet. The vet couldn't find anything wrong with him. She was completely shocked by his behavior. She told me he's a completely different dog than she's seen in the past. Um, he tried to bite her in the face. Uh, she couldn't get x-rays from him or do everything she needed to do because he was being extremely aggressive. Um, she sent off blood work. She gave me medicine for allergies, anxiety, and pain. Um, and she told me that she was very nervous to send him home with us um, because he was so unpredictable. And she was just concerned that with all of Watson's past and his trauma, that this is just like kind of who he is at this point. Um, but nonetheless, she agreed to treat him and let us try some things. His blood work came back. Uh, everything's completely normal. Um, there's, there's nothing going wrong medically that she can see from blood work. She told us that it takes about two weeks for the anxiety meds to kind of hit his system. Um, she's worried it's genetics. There's nothing we can do. He was, this was uh, yesterday. He was perfect all day, seemed completely normal. I decided to let him play with our older dog. That went fine for several hours. And then all of a sudden he climbed on the couch to cuddle up to get pets. We were petting him. He started growling. We made him get down. He walked over to Willa. She was just laying on her bed and he started growling and showing her teeth to her. So I immediately just took him and put him in his kennel for the rest of the evening okay and the that's all new mm -hmm. okay that's, we have so yes i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off i was just gonna ask from what you've told me in the timeline it was new since you you left him with your friend yes however watson has a history of resource guarding and aggression with food and he has bitten he has bitten me. He has bitten my friend. Um, he has attempted to bite the other dogs over food and toys. And so we have worked extensively to combat that behavior. And we had gotten to a place where we were no longer really necessarily dealing with those issues because we knew how to properly handle them. Okay. Okay, so we, we had some resource guarding issues before, so it wasn't like the growling and showing teeth behavior was new, just the context of where he was applying it is new. 
Correct. Okay. All right. A couple things before we, well, let's just dive into it, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, I'd be interested to know if they did thyroid on that panel. Did, they did. Okay, good. That's checked off. The other thing I would say is, you know, something from a from a professional standpoint. So this is this is where my, you know I'll, I'll give you my advice on this. Any time that you start to see a dog start exhibiting these weird behaviors, out of character behaviors, you should start immediately cutting off the variables and or slash triggers that potentially could be enabling or triggering these these things, right? So I know you mentioned in that in that first bit there the lap like five times. So mm-hmm. that's where like even after the first you know, first time whatever, that's like really weird behavior, but after the second time that's where it's like no more laps. Like that's done. So Mm-hmm. There's two there's two ways that I look at these situations because this is like really what I specialize in the most is behavior. First thing is let's all be safe first because if we're not safe then we can't do anything. It doesn't matter if we're going to solve the problem or or not. The only thing that's going to allow us to continue to move forward with the dog is safety. So anytime that you can shut off any variable that's definitely a trigger or risk or potential um, build up of, of like wherever the problem is, it's like, Hey, can we, can we, can we negate the problem by doing this one thing? We can negate the problem by doing this and not get, negate the whole thing. But you, you just, so take that into consideration when you move forward, anything that you can say, this thing that we allow, or this thing that we do either directly contributes to the bad behavior, aggressive behavior, whatever, if we can shut that off, do it because you just, you have to ask questions after don't, the reason why I'm saying this is because I'm a dog owner and lover first before I'm a professional. So I understand where you're coming from of, I've always allowed my dog to do this. I don't know why this is happening. Once you start to see this, excuse me, weird behavior start to uh, consistently happen. You just have to step back and go, okay, we're not going to do that anymore. Then you can start talking about, but why? But you can't, you don't want to do both. You don't want to say, he's on the lap of my friend. We growled. We got him off. At that point, that's where you're like, okay, don't let him do that anymore. Because dogs typically will go into like sequences and pictures typically. So whatever we do... Here's the thing, is if he walked around and growled all day, that would be different. But if he gets into our lap and then growls, and we're like, man, this is bad, but then we remove him from our lap, and I'm talking about this one incident, the first incident with your friend. Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking in my head, like, at that point, you just say, we're not going to do that again. You know what I mean? So I think there there was four laps after that where it's like, Mm-hmm. stop like immediately stop allowing that to happen and and I'm telling you this with empathy of understanding that you're not looking at it as the as that you're looking at it as why is my dog growling I'm looking at it as 
every time your dog is in a lap, your dog is growling because all of the, shouldn't say that, the majority of the growls, 70% of the growls and bad behavior that you talked about with humans was all in the same place. And so if you can eliminate, and again, I'm not saying this like, oh, it's going to go away. I'm just saying, I'm just starting to plug holes. Like, let's say we're in a boat and we got all these holes in the boat and you're like, this has never happened before. This boat always sails perfect. We've never had this mayday. And I'm like, start, start plugging holes. Stop stopping the bleed. Okay. If you can start there, then you can come back and go, okay, how are we going to get back home? How are we going to get the water out of the boat? How are we going to be safe? So that should be your state of mind as you're moving forward is to, is to start moving effectively as, as you were to be solving a crime of like, what are the variables? What can we take away to make sure or, and, or reduce the risk of the bad stuff happening again? And if we can say out of five of the growls to humans outside of the vet, it sounds and, or close to a hundred percent of it has been in the lap. Mm -hmm. So, if we so there's that just off the bat boom get that out of there we can talk about why it's happening in the future or or discuss about that later in the conversation but right now that's the first thing is stop allowing the dog to get into a position that in in my opinion and my view is enabling them to do something bad you're not doing anything wrong you're just doing what you've always done with the dog but now and I'm just I'm just telling you that dogs will start to have these weird triggers where you do something and then they react negatively to it. And sometimes it, it it's a this is a big conversation, but I'm just telling you right off the bat, no more laps. Mm-hmm. Just stop with the laps. That's the first thing. Um, uh, and again, like every dog to me is a project, right? So it's like this huge project, and I'm and my job is to. Start uncovering, you know, all these layers of things. Okay, no more laps. The other mm-hmm. thing is just on the laps is this has been a common thread with certain dogs that they almost gaslight you for no reason. So they'll get on your lap or demand or ask for affection and physical uh-huh. attention. And then they look at you and growl at you. And that's been a common thread with some dogs. It's like, it's a common thing that happens. So you got to be, so I'm just letting you know that there's these pictures and these sequences. Sometimes it doesn't make any sense. Other times we find out uh, assist in the ear, um, whatever, you know, whatever. So I'm just throwing that out there. It is a common thing that, that tends to happen. It's very like the definition of gaslighting. Like, hey, do this. Why'd you do that? like uh because you asked me to so with that out of the way um the other thing that i would right now is just um and again my job right now in this conversation is to minimize the risk of the dog becoming a threat or a risk and to minimize the stress from you guys as much as humanly possible those are the two things that i i'm responsible for in our conversation so the other thing is is eliminating sorry limiting the amount of freedom that he has because right now he's like got a little something going on and we don't know what that is yet and it it could it could easy come easy go 
I've seen that where, man, this is weird. This is like out of nowhere. And then poof, it's just back to normal. And you're like, what? And that could be neurological issues. It could be sometimes dogs will basically be in this fear slash protective state for a long period of time after they've been rescued or whatever the sequence is, the, the, the circumstances are, and then they start becoming who they are. So October, November, December, January. So we're starting into like the, you know, going into the fifth month or whatever. Anyway, I'm not telling you what's going on because I don't know. I'm just giving you, this is, this is what I've seen. This is what could be going on. Some dogs will, the first month they're like, I'm so scared. Who are all of you guys? Hi, I'm here. The second month, they start to open up. Third month, so on and so forth. And then they get comfortable, super comfortable, and then they start becoming like who they are or more comfortably who they are or something. That happens. Yeah. Kind of like dating. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or I was thinking like this, like a movie, right? Where you just like all of a sudden realize the person you're with is like, oh, this is actually who you are. You've let down like your guard, if you will. So mm-hmm. um, it typically doesn't, it's not that long, like unless the dog was like uh, in the corner shaking and peeing on themselves, which I don't, it doesn't sound like that's what it is. I'm just giving you thoughts out here. Okay. So sometimes that can happen. Um, but you know, first thing is do what you did. vet check. Like if you start to have your dog out of character doing these really bizarre things, that's the first place to look is something Mm -hmm. physically wrong. I had a client reach out to me and said, my dog is trying to bite me. I know the dog. I know the person. I'm like, that is weird. She's like, I agree. This is crazy. She's like, what the hell do I do? He's a big dog. I said, bring him to the vet. There's a, there's a really good chance that's going on. And sure enough, he had this thing. He had this like ingrown hair that like bursted and it was like this thing. And sure enough. And that was it. So, um, anyway, so that's a check. I don't think, I don't think it's the end of the road for physical tests of things. I think you've you've done the bulk of it, but I can, we'll continue to talk about that. So removing freedom. So he's walking around now, right now, making bad decisions. So mm-hmm. you as a dog owner, I know where you're at. You're like, oh man, please don't let it, like, please don't let this happen. Like, don't let this continue to happen. We don't want to see this. We want him to go back to normal, um, you know, air quotes, normal, but Right now, because he's making such bad decisions and or something is going on, you giving him the freedom to continue to make mistakes is only likely going to make things worse. And so okay. like what you did the other day where you were going to leash him up and he snapped at you and bit your hand and you were like, I just put him away. You should have just put you should have just done something similar like like immediately like, no, we're not doing this. So. Uh, so, th- so there's that just like making sure that you're not giving him a lot of freedom, especially if he's making these really s- dangerous decisions going after the other, like you said, oh, he was fine with the older dog for hours. And I would have been like, I would have, if he went from being kind of weird towards the older dog and you were like, let's try this again. I would have said 30 minutes would have been my max of like letting them hang out because again, like right now you have to go into, it's almost a protocol think about it like that. It's a good way to put it. It's like, you're going into a protocol right now. That's like, we have to kind of lock down right now to keep us safe because the more, if, and when, and, or if he does 
cause more damage to you physically or your dogs. It's just going to keep getting worse and worse. So right now you're trying to air quotes, stop the bleeding of like, we can't have one more bad thing happen with this dog right now because we are really running out of options. Like what the hell is going on? Right. You know, mentally and and everything. And so limiting the freedom, like if we have a dog that's making bad decisions, but we're giving them the same amount of freedom as the puppy, you're just continuing to make your, 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 your situation more vulnerable each time you do that. Right. Okay. Same thing with the other dogs. Same thing with your, even with you, like, and I know it's hard because you have this relationship with them and it's hard to act a little differently. Like, why would I be defensive or protective or, um, hesitant? And you just, right now you just have to go into this protocol of like something's going on and we have to dial it in. And every time that you approach the situation, especially with him, you just have to play it safe because, there's obviously something on that's making him act completely out of character. Mm-hmm. And we don't know what that is yet. And we may never know, but hopefully we do. Uh, and that's more of a durational thing than anything. So that's the second thing is making sure that you're eliminating the freedom. Don't give him the same freedom that you did prior to his incidences because he's not making good decisions. Like he's he should be... Um, so depending on how your house and your, um, I guess other dogs are set up, mm-hmm. it would be just limiting the amount of durational time he has around the other dogs, because oftentimes with these types of situations, there's a durational threshold that dogs will have. They're okay. They're okay. They're back to normal air quotes. They're like, okay, we're starting to see him out again. Like this is fine. An hour later, he's growling or two hours later, three hours later, he's starting to do these things. So you just, you want to continue to have routines with him, continue to give him his active physical and mental stimulation, which is going to be a huge part in this. And we're going to talk about that next step. But right now you're basically a kind of on lockdown with him to say, we don't want to make any mistakes. We're going to keep this super simple. We're going to be mindful when we leash him up you know, to make it successful, however that looks like, giving him a piece of food, leashing him up at the same time, and then walking him out. Things that you thought you would never have to do because you've trusted this dog. There's no reason why you have you shouldn't. But you just have to switch protocols. It would be the same thing if you said, hey, you're going to go grab a dog that you don't know. I'm not going to take the risk of assuming anything because I don't know anything about this dog. And you have to too. It's like all of a sudden your dog is starting to make these drastic behavioral changes and decisions and you have to approach each situation as that like this isn't this isn't the same dog right now like I don't know what's going on like this Mm -hmm. is really bizarre and I'm saying here's the reason why I'm saying this is because I don't want anything else to happen because I know your real each time your dog does this your relationship takes a beating if you will like it really Mm -hmm. it hurts your relationship that's why I'm saying these things is because each that's why I'm I work with dogs who want to dogs who are aggressive every single day and I have never been knock on wood bitten or attacked because I know that these people need me and they need my help so I am overly cautious about everything I do because if a dog does nail me it's it, it makes you're the only guy I thought could make this work right so I am right because your morale right right now you guys are have to safeguard your morale to have enough steam 
to be able to do the things necessary to figure out what's going on with this dog. And every single time he makes a mistake, you guys are going to continue to lose that steam and hope. And I don't want you to do that. So, so it's a camp here of, of being safe. And, and the reason why I'm telling you to just, I don't want you to have to walk around on eggshells, but I want you to be mindful, shake off the stress to say, okay, we got to start over just a little bit with him. We're going to limit, we're going to eliminate, we're going to limit his freedom so he doesn't make bad decisions. So he can still be out. He can still be around the other dogs, but we're going to be mindful of how much time he's around these dogs because it seems from what you've told me, like his, almost his patience has like gone from huge to like nothing. Like all of a sudden he's like, his patience is like done, like his, his threshold for that, for whatever reason. And so I would just be monitoring his durational time with the other dogs around you guys as much as possible. Uh, I would be doing what in, I don't think you told me this, but what is Watson's his name? Mm -hmm. What is his breed? He's a bulldog. So we did a DNA test. He's like 86% bulldog. And then the rest of it's like bulldog mix. Uh, English bulldog. He appears to be like English and and he appears to be English bulldog, but he's not quite as big as an English bulldog. He has a incredible prey drive. He is very athletic and loves lots of activity. So he doesn't to me, he doesn't have the typical characteristics of like a lazy, overweight English bulldog. Okay, good. That's good. Um so what what is your okay does does what I'm what I'm telling you right now make sense to you guys like right now your job is to stop the water coming in which is like that's the overwhelming like what do we do and we panic and we don't make good decisions we're emotional it's super stressful and I just want you guys to take a step back and go okay here's how we're going to approach this here's how we're going to figure this out first thing we're going to do is if we can we're going to eliminate any more deeper in a hole that we can possibly get with this dog like we don't want to continue to take steps backwards it's we're we are are winning if we don't take steps backwards right now so you do everything in your power between you guys and anybody else that's going to be in your life with this dog to say hey something's going on with watson right now i don't really know what it is but we have to treat this like we've never treated him before and and as we continue to hopefully figure things out we can make other changes, but right now it's, it's, you got to take those precautions. That way you're not stressed. You're not like, you're, you're not th- like when you go up to him, just have the idea of like, he's some reason he's freaked out right now. So I'm going to have to, you know, be mindful of like, when I leash him up, it's not going to be how I normally do. And I'm not going to let him just go all over the house to potentially attack one of the other dogs. I'm not going to let him on my lap. I'm not going to let him all these things. You're eliminating any potential risk of these things happening because the I'm saying this from a, again from a state of mind of like a dog owner, you're just hoping and praying that one day it just stops. Like he's oh god, he's back to normal. But right now, your job is to say, "Okay, stop all the bad stuff." So, how much exercise is he is he getting daily? Like what do you guys do with him? on the daily like on average it doesn't have to be every day but yeah so 
we have had like snowpocalypse 2024 down here in the south. Um, so he has not had nor his normal activity for about six or seven days now. We just went on our first walk. But okay. this week aside, his he has a routine and he has a schedule that worked out with our dog trainer. We get up, we go for a two to two and a half mile walk. Um, he comes back home. He naps, kind of hangs out. Um, I usually take him for another walk on lunch because he's, you know, getting restless. He's bored. Um, we do that. Then we come back. I give him bone time um, where he is by himself and he can chew on a bone. Sometimes I'll give him toys. Um, I have with the weather, I've been doing a lot of interactive like chicken broth in cupcake tins and freezing peanut butter and yogurt and berries, like something to keep him busy, like mentally stimulated because he can't really be outside mm. um, with the weather. So we've been doing that like once or twice a day. Um, he's also hand fed because of his food aggression. And so we've been like, instead of me just hand, like giving him commands and hand feeding him, I've been like tossing his food a few pieces at a time across the room to get him some activity this week. Um, but typically he's, he's working for his food um, by following commands. Okay. Um, so typically that's what he's doing, but right now you're kind of scatter feeding him because of his change in behavior recently. Well, I'm scatter feeding him to like make him run to get some activity in because it's got the it. snow and ice outside. We can't go for walks, so I I'm trying you. to well, good give him you. some steps. Yeah, that's good. You're a good. You're a good dog mom. You're doing all the right things. Um, well, but I'm trying. No, you are <laughs> I'm holding on by a thread over here. No, 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 no. You are. You are. You're doing great. The you know the hard thing is for dog owners typically is just doing anything with their dog, and the fact that you're going it just warms my heart to know that you're you're doing all these cool things. You know, doing the doing the uh, bone broth and the berries, and the, it's great. So you're. It sounds like you're doing everything right. Um, you just have to kind of close your, you know, close your mind a little bit on, uh, you know, again, keeping him, keeping him the way he was. You can't treat him like that anymore because there's something going on. It could be a neurological thing. No, I I don't know yet, you know, and, and you guys won't know today or tomorrow or this week. It's just going to take time to figure out kind of until the dust settles to say what the heck's going on. So that's good that you're doing all of that. Uh, how much, I know you said trainer, you mentioned trainer. So how much uh, training have you done with him and uh, how much do you use that on a daily? He's done a lot of training. So when he came to us, he was, he was aggressive over food. We gave him about a week to settle to kind of see if it would get better. And it just got worse. Um, I took him in to work with someone who specialized in dogs with resource guarding. We started him. He went to school, like dog school from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., every day for 10 days. They did quite a bit of work with him. He's e-collar trained. Um, they taught him place, which has been incredible. I can pretty, you know, if I can get him to place and get him to stay and hold it, you know, we can set food down, we can pick things up, we can kind of manage him. Um, the, I had a little bit of an issue with those people. They, they were really good at training my dog. They weren't so good at teaching, training me mm -hmm. on how to carry out his training. So then we hired um, an in-home dog trainer to come. He's been here four or five times. 
And he has been working to help teach me how to help Watson learn and continue his behavior. And that's been incredible. Um, but he currently isn't working with Watson anymore. He basically told me that he thought, like, Watson is where Watson's going to be. We just have to keep, like, using the e-collar, um, working on place, you know, working on getting him out in public and things like that. And then hopefully he would continue, you know, to just kind of fine-tune things. But he didn't think he needed any more, like, dog training. Um. What that's else that's the training? extent of his actual training. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. But so we we do work with him on a daily basis on all of those, you know, place, stay, sit, yeah. all of that, because we have to with his feeding, because if not, he will be as aggressive at feeding time. Yeah. So. Now, I will say that I, this is my first time having to like working with a dog this difficult and having to actually train a dog and enforce rules and all of that. I'm just... We've gotten very lucky with just like having dogs that are decent. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are times when I give him too many warnings mm. or I give him too many chances mm-hmm. or I go, okay, you know what? You've been doing really well. I'm going to take your e-collar off today. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of like, I don't want him to wear it forever. And so I'm trying to like teach him to behave and listen when his collar isn't on. Cause he can be, you know, he, he knows his collar's not on. He knows his collar's on. And, like, you can kind of see a little bit of a shift in behavior. And so the dog trainer did tell me not to do that, just to kind of treat Watson as if he's always going to have to wear the e-collar. Um, and since then, I've left it on him, with the exception of right after the vet, she was concerned that he had a skin infection. His skin was real red and inflamed. And so I did let him go a couple days without an e-collar to kind of clear that up. And it did. He's back in his e-collar. His neck's all red again. So, I mean, I guess that is just what it is. But overall, I feel like we're pretty consistent. I could be more consistent. Okay. Um, but he's hard-headed, and sometimes I just... Yeah. It's like, fuck it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I... You know, the other thing, too, I'll mention is you guys have to realize, like, you, you have a really good understanding of what you have, which is valuable i mean meaning there's some people i talk to and they don't understand the things that they're doing wrong like they just you know like you you saying like you know sometimes i let them get i I let them get away with stuff is like that's huge for you to know because there's there's a lot of times that i don't get to hear that or even see that and so that goes unnoticed so it's good that you said that um because his life before you got him, like, obviously was terrible, you know. He had mange and lived on the wherever he lived, and he was very poorly taken care of, you know, hanging on by a thread. And so these things matter with not only the development of the dog, but also, like, obviously the genetics of the dog matter, Uh you know, he probably doesn't have the best genetics either. You know, maybe backyard breeder slash living on the street, mm-hmm. like who the hell knows, you know, so there's that. So a dog that was already born with not so great genetics to maybe be in a house, because that's what really it comes down to. That's why, you know, I I try to advocate for, under, you know, teaching people, teaching people uh, about, you know, and educating them about, proper breeding right so people are and i'm i'm all about like 
adopting a dog if 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 you can and or whatever but there's a principle of like if you're going to pay somebody for money for a dog you have to understand that you're paying for genetics so you're paying for your dog not to have hip dysplasia you're paying for your dog not to have cancer you're paying for your dog to not have a heart attack you're paying for your dog to not have bad elbows so on and so forth you're paying for your dog to know that they're not going to turn and try to bite one of your kids out of nowhere because you know their lineage, you know their genetics, you know that their mom, dad, and grandparents for the last six lineages and pedigrees like have never had any behavioral issues. So my point is, is when you have a dog that you don't know the background and or it's probably not great anyway, and then they had a bad um, bringing up of being abused, abandoned, or both, you know, these things matter. And so my point is, is not every dog is the same. And so Mm -hmm. when a trainer tells you like, I've plugged into this dog and I'm telling you like, don't give him an inch because he'll take a mile. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, we've had those conversations with dog owners. I'm like, Hey, listen, you got really lucky up until this point because the fact that this dog isn't terrorizing you is, is, is beyond us. You know, we've had those conversations where we're like, man, this dog is, like really, really dangerous potentially. And it's like, man, the fact that you haven't had catastrophic injuries or whatever um, is beyond us. And then we go back to the owners and we say, hey, this isn't, like you already said, and it's good, this is good because you understand this, is you're like, you've had other dogs in the past that you can get away with stuff. Oh yeah, get on my lap, kiss my face, sleep with me. Um, whatever you let them have no boundaries and rules and that's okay. That's everyone's decision. It, I don't care. Truthfully, I, I could care less, but knowing that if you do that to a particular dog that has this disposition with genetics and, or the abuse, you know, basically living on the streets, homeless, sick, almost dead and not getting that affection and, um, love and and guidance and leadership and everything that kind of makes a well-behaved dog. It's just like with people, you know, for the most part. Um, it, so, so anyway, so that tells you something too, like be mindful of that. I'm glad that you said that too, because that's just one of those things too, is um, if you, some dogs kind of like give you the gas pedal, right? So they'll sit there, like kind of test you. And, it, and he has been, like, you know, with the resource guardian and stuff, that's pretty much a challenge and a test. Like, that's a daily challenge. Like, I'm going to try to bite you if you don't let me have that. And you're like, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. So you guys have already gone around that. You're like, we're going to set this up for success. But now what it seems like is it's going into other things. So remember that conversation I had in the very beginning of this where I was like, you got to start just avoiding these potential problems. It's better to avoid yeah. right now until you can figure out and classify it and work on it. So that's what it seems like you did in the beginning too, is resource guarding came up and then we just kind of worked around it. Cause we're like, we're not dealing with this crap, which is good. I don't blame you, but it could just be potentially bubbling up to other places where some dogs just have a history of being, um, just kind of bratty and malicious in a sense where they're just like pushing mm-hmm. the boundaries just to, just to push. And before it was a really easy boundary to push where it was like, you can't touch my food. This is mine. Get out of here. And you're like, Whoa, okay. And then sometimes when we suppress that behavior and what you guys have done for suppression is good. 
safe, valuable, um, the right move by just avoiding it. But for him, it could be something that he enjoys doing. It could be something that is in his DNA to do. He could he could have been doing that at like four weeks when his eyes and ears started working and he started walking around and he had to defend himself for a piece of garbage. Who knows, right? But my point is, is in my experience, some dogs obviously are built different, act differently, and you already have declared that, which is nice, but he could have just had this thing and, and he, the easiest route for him to exhibit this behavior was with food, you know, food, food resource gardening, right? And then you right. take that away from him and you're like, hey, we're not doing that anymore, which again is good. But I'm almost wondering if maybe it's popping up somewhere else where he comes up for attention. You give him attention. He's like, hey, stop touching me. And he almost like craves this behavior. I don't know. I'm just talking out loud. Mm -hmm. Because I've seen dogs kind of, once you suppress something, it's like, hey, you're not going to get this. It will bubble up in another place. Like if you, if a dog is like doing this on the, on the window to come in, to come in. And then whatever you do to stop that from happening, however you do it, and then they go out back and they dig a hole and you're like, oh, there's another, they're doing, now they're doing this. And it's like, you may think of those as two different things. One was like ruining your door or your siding on your mm -hmm. house and then you stopped it and then you're like, oh, now he's doing this. And to me, I'm like, it's the same thing though. Like they're just outletting something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. For sure. And we have seen that with him. So once we got around the food aggression with hand feeding and all of that, he randomly decided that he was going to start barking, growling and trying to chase down cars mm. and runners and bikers. And so now we have like we avoid now we're working through that and avoiding that. And we've kind of gotten that under control with the e-collar. Mm -hmm. And then now we're going to be a dick when people are petting us or when the other dogs come around. So mm -hmm. he is definitely the kind of dog. It seems like when you remove when you go, OK, you're not going to correct this. So we're just going to avoid it. He is definitely it's like you solve one problem and he just takes that same behavior and decides to apply it elsewhere yeah it's like playing behavioral whack-a-mole whack-a-mole yeah like yeah literally once something goes down it just pops up oh there it is again shit just just different color right yeah well that's good uh good to the reason why i say it's good is because whenever you have a situation like this and you start you can start to point to answers or reasons or triggers it's good the hard thing from a behavioral standpoint or the hardest behavioral stuff is when it's just there's there's no sequence excuse me there's no reason there's no triggers there's nothing and so if you can start to accumulate a uh kind of like a d develop a um a consistency if you will of like Oh no, we see it kind of like it's the same type of behavior. He's instead of doing it with the food, now he's doing it with laps or whatever. So he just starts to be kind of a jerk. And the reason why I say it's good because again, the hardest thing for me with behavior is when you get those, yeah, we're just on our belly rolling over, having a good time, wagging our tail, and then we just bite somebody in the face out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. That is 
the most challenging thing to start to work on. It's the, it's the most dangerous thing to start to work on. But if you can pull back the reins a little bit, pull back, pull back and look at it as a big wide lens and say, you know what? He's pretty much doing the same thing he did before, which we've already seen and we already knew it was there. He's just doing it in a different way, almost because he craves it. He likes it. It's like it, it's like a sociopathic like behavior of like we kind of stop it here and then you see it happen again over here and it's like kind of weird. So anyway, just talking out loud and you saying that might have some validity there of consistency. Who knows? Um, I mean, it's your call, really. You know your dog. You know how he behaves. You know what it looks like. Uh, and then I would just say, on top of what you said, just make sure, like, yes, the uh, the consistency of, of your training is absolutely huge. Because if he is that type of dog, which it sounds like he is, the moment you're, like, again, lenient or if you tell him to sit or, or recall or place or whatever, and he's like, I don't really want to. And you're like, oh, okay, you might be able mm-hmm. to do that with your other dogs and it's not going to be detrimental, but for him, it might be where he's like, he needs a very militant scheduled disciplinary structured thing because he makes bad decisions. Right. He's like, he's already, he's already got accounts against him of like, dude, you're, it's not good. Like you need to shape up. So just be, you already know that, which is good. So just kind of hold yourself accountable of that. Like if you want to let the other dogs get away with stuff, worst case scenario is, is they might just not listen to you that well. But if you let him get away with stuff, he might start looking at you as like, I'm going to see what I can get away with today with you. And if that means growling at you or trying to bite somebody at the gym and I don't care that you're there, like those are all problems that could have, could have been or a product of him knowing that he can get away with stuff with you. And that's really where that starts, right? So it's with any relationship. If if you have a uh, an employee that you're the manager or the boss of and you don't allow certain things and they do it right in front of you and you don't say anything and they're like, oh, I can take advantage over this situation. Or I know that right. that person's just not, you know, going to put, you know, is going to push over. So definitely start. So I would be getting him out and working on training with him to see if that equates to anything. Meaning you get him out on your setup, whatever it is, your collar and leash setup, whatever, and you go out with him and you start working on obedience. What you would, what you need to start to try to figure out with testing him is figuring out if it's a declare of, I want to be this villain of a dog or is there other things going on? And the way that you start doing that is you start, I say this very lightly, but challenging him. And I don't mean it uh, a physical challenge, but more of a obedience challenge of, Hey man, I want you to sit. And if he doesn't and you give him pressure and he does go into a sit. So if you hold him accountable, give him a consequence for, a behavior that he knows well and he decides not to do it, that's where you'd start to test to see where he's at mentally. Does he conform and say, oh, my bad, and sit because you actually held him accountable? Or this is where things might start to turn for you guys, where he really starts to fight you on everything because now he's declaring, like, I own the world. I don't know. I'm just, this is the first thing I would do. I'd say, hey, go out with him. Watson, sit. He might go, no, nah, I don't want to sit. 
and then you give them, you know, however you do, however your training is, correction mm-hmm. from the slip or the e-collar or whatever, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then if he fights you on it, that's more of a relationship-based problematic thing. Like that's where things, it's like, oh, okay, this isn't about, this is bigger than the weird, like this one-off thing. It's like, no, 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 he's starting, like you said, he's starting to like think he's overtaking the household here of like, no, nah, I'm going to start really seeing what I can get away with. Like each day he takes yeah. a little inch, 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 inch. And then eventually he's like, I'm just going to go for it. I'm just going to go. Yeah. Those are things. It's, de- that- it's definitely, it's definitely that. Like he, he will, if I'm telling him to go sit or go to place, he's definitely seeing how many times I'm going to say it before I make him go. Mm. And he usually won't go until he sees me pick up his remote. And then all of a sudden I'll go, okay, I'm going to go. And then he'll, you know, yeah. go over. And then occasionally if I, you know, I always start his e-collar out on like, you know, two or three, and then we work our way up as needed. Cause sometimes he will respond to a seven or eight. Um, sometimes it takes a 35. It just really kind of depends on what kind of mood he is in that day. So he's definitely, he's definitely always challenging us to see how far he can push it. Mm-hmm. So again, I love to hear that. <laughs> the reason why I love to hear it is because I always get a little, you know, sad that dogs get into these situations because sometimes there is no resolution because it's neurological. They just, that's mm-hmm. the way they go. Once it starts actually making sense, I'm like, oh, thank God. Because that means that it's it's probably something that's compounded and now it's just kind of exploding, which is something you might be able to put out. It's it's so so in the beginning of the conversation, looking out objectively, it's like, oh, shit's going south really quick. When the reality is, now that we're digging into it a little bit, it's kind of he's been pushing for a long time. Now he's really pushing, right? Now he's really getting physical and and you know dangerous. Mm-hmm. So that's good because. In the beginning, I would have said he wasn't, and then now all of a sudden he's just like trying to be this completely different dog where it's almost like a gradual thing that you're seeing. And now it's just – it's worse than it was for sure, but it's not like completely out of nowhere where he was like this little innocent puppy that wouldn't do anything wrong and would always do what you want, and then boom, it's more of a gradual thing. Well, that's good because that makes more sense. When you get a – you know – if all of a sudden Taylor Swift just started getting into death metal, you'd be like, what the hell is going on here? This makes no sense. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like where she gradually yeah. went from country to like pop. Yeah. Okay. That makes more sense. It was a gradual thing. That's just a, you know, really off topic analogy, but hopefully you understood it. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so I would just say, um, okay. So where do we start? What do we do? Actions. Okay. Cause we can talk theory all day. Um, no training is better than bad training. This dog sounds very pushy, very opportunistic, very cheeky, very smart, very challenging, um, stubborn, etc. So you just have to be mindful about a couple, well, many things, but one of the big things is, is when you tell him to do something, don't give him an opportunity to challenge you on it, like hold him accountable. Like if he's that dog, right? This is your so if you say, Watson, go to your place or whatever, and he's like, You gonna right. you're gonna do something about it? Like don't give him that opportunity. So in your head you might be thinking, Okay, how do I do that? That means 
in your training system, you're holding him accountable with your remote collar off leash, which is good. I mean, that's that's the beauty of the remote collar. It's the only thing in the world that allows you to do that, right? But right now, you're 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 allowing him to manipulate you, right? So he'll he'll give you shit. He'll talk back. Nah, I don't really want to. What are you gonna do about it? You know, it's like a kid. It's mm-hmm. like you know, do something, right? And that's you want to start. So don't tell him to do anything unless you have the ability to hold him accountable because. Like you said, he is not the dog you can allow him to do that with. Do not let him do that, right? The other dogs, you say, hey, puppy, sit. And they're like, no. And you're like, okay. Like that's, yeah, that's going to be probably a bad thing in your obedience in the in the future. But it's, it's uh-huh. not like he's going to be like, oh, you know, where it's going to get malicious. So I would just say with Watson, A, set him up for sequences where you – you know, don't, and, and also too, like, don't walk around with the e-collar like this. Like the e-collar should right. rep, like your voice is what the dog listens to. The e-collar is just using technology to enforce it, right? The reason uh-huh. why you're getting this information right now isn't because of the iPhone. It just makes it easier. I still have it in my brain. I can still email you all this or pen pal you or whatever, right? The iPhone just makes it easier because it's technology. It's way more effective. It's way more efficient. It's the same thing with the remote collar. You're just delivering some sort of accountability. You're just using technology because it's more efficient because you can touch the dog from the other end of the room, which is the only thing in the world that can allow you to do that with dog training, which is beautiful. So I would be either putting it in your hoodie pocket, just being very subtle. Watson, go to your bed. And he's like, nope, immediately enforcement. You do not have Mm -hmm. that. Again, he's like an inmate right now. Like, hey, um, go back to your cell. No. Oh, no, we're, we're, that, this, this isn't a conversation. This is what we're doing. Because the moment you let them kind of manipulate the situation, that's where things, you know, start. So that's what I would be doing is, Watson, go to your place. And he's like, nah, it would be immediately the some sort of accountability. Start okay. start doing that so he knows he can't walk on you. He this isn't a this isn't a question. Two reasons, two big reasons. A because I, if he is starting to try to like take over the world in his eyes, you're going to start pushing back against that. Say no no we're we're resetting here. Back to back to basics. Back to boot camp. You're not going to take advantage of anybody in the house. When I tell you to do something, you're going to do it. The second reason is is you're going to have the you're going to have a better opportunity without any risks of him you know doing something silly or dangerous potentially because when you tell him to do something he's just going to do it so somebody comes into your house and he's out and you're like oh or the puppy or the other dog watson leave it and he knows that you're going to hold him accountable versus right now if you said watson leave it you're going to flip a coin to go i don't really know what he's going to do to be honest so the way that you the way that you do that is you train. So, excuse me. So what what you do is you 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 get him on the leash with your however you have it set up, and you go mm-hmm. out and you start training with them, and you, do, you just do basic what we call operant conditioning. So Watson sit, he sits. Yes, good sit. You pay him. You hold. Mm-hmm. You wait for him to go. Yeah, I'm done with this. And as soon as his butt gets off the ground, he gets a correction. Nope. 
This isn't this isn't your rule. This isn't your world, Watson. This is our world, okay? You are not making good decisions. You are going to get yourself injured or killed or worse. You have to listen to everything I have to say and you have to like realign that relationship with a lot of discipline. I mean, that's what they do with Look at like it, Mari used to do with the kids out of control. They bring in this drill sergeant and go, you can't get it. And they're like, ah. So we're not trying to scare the shit out of the dog and mongle him with fear. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to let him know that he can't make the, that's the, this is the first, this isn't the thing that's going to make everything better. But this is the thing that at least you can control right now, which is monumental. So you're like, man, things are starting to spiral out and we have no answers. But it's way worse to not have answers and also you know, then, um, have a dog that's, uh, you know, potentially dangerous or whatever. So you just have to, as you're going through this, you just have to make sure that you're testing him and his ability to, not his ability, but you're testing him and his willingness to work with you. And if you can start to like put him under your thumb a little bit to say, Hey man, you got too much freedom. You're fighting me on everything. You're making bad decisions. We're getting back down to basically when I just got you. Where now we're making really good decisions. So going out with him and training with him, you don't have to do it outside because I know it's like, you know, cold and snow and stuff, but you can do it inside. Just put the other dogs away or go somewhere where you can work them in the basement or garage or something and just start running through drills and just tell him, Watson, sit. If he doesn't, hold him accountable. Say, no, this isn't a, this isn't a conversation. Like you have to sit like, you're not going to fight me on it. Like this is something you have to do. Same thing with go to your place. Um, any obedience that you can start running through to make sure that you're not going to do what you were doing before where you're like, it's voluntary. Like I'll ask you to do it, but you know, you don't really have to do it. Right. Okay. So that's the very first step. You just have to readjust i hate to use the hierarchy word because it's really not that but right now he is spiraling out of control and i think you just have to grab the steering wheel and go you know straighten things out and the way to do that is with a lot of patience but you just have to go step by step don't wait for him to growl at somebody and then go ah bam and nail him because that's not the right way to do it you would so if you look at the bigger picture right now this dog is making bad decisions taking advantage of human beings um starting to be aggressive towards humans starting to push humans so outside of like setting him up for failure by putting him in our lap and saying what he does you know you would go back down to little tiny little battles if you will like so sit and he's like oh, I don't really but he sits yay good sit nice sit hold he gets up nope back into a sit the amount of behavior modification i've been able to do with dog owners coming in with severe reactivity issues with basic obedience like basically getting back down to the basics is huge like it's a big part of it because their dog just has no boundaries or structure Uh so that's what you have to do is get back down to the basics of fundamental control. I um, I don't say control, but um, just fundamental relationship building skills. It's the same thing we would do. Like you get a puppy and they go, I've done everything I've wanted to do my whole eight weeks or 10 weeks of life. And I don't 
know any different. And then you start putting boundaries on. Hey, I'm going to teach. So there's teaching a behavior, right? Which is a positive reinforcement based sequence Uh of like, this is how we learn shape. And then once they learn, we start adding boundaries to that where we start, we actually start holding them accountable when they're like, I don't want to sit anymore. I don't want to go to the bed anymore. I don't want to say my crate anymore. I don't want to walk nicely anymore. And they just fly off the hinges. That's where you step in and you start holding the dog. No, 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 no. You can't just leave when you want. I'll tell you when you can leave. And then that's where you, that's your relationship. How does your dog perceive you? How much respect do you have? How much do you matter? And then on top of that, that's how obedient your dog is. How much do they listen? Right. Okay. So you have to get back down to the basics. Keep it simple. Lots of, lots of basic obedience with accountability and start really decreasing his freedom so he doesn't have an opportunity to fail. Like minimalize the opportunity to him, for him to fail by as much as you possibly can until you can start winning the overall war of like him spiraling and you just take, and it's, you know, it's, it's something that you'll have to work with me or with other people to try to continue to hack, hack away at it. Cause it's not going to be, Hey Tom, my dog's pulling the leash. What do I do? That's a mechanical transactional thing that I can tell you, this is how this is going to go. And if you don't do it, I, you know, if you do it right, it's going to be great. This is one of those things that's open-ended. Like, I don't know. You have to start training in order to get feedback to say, okay, this worked, this didn't, this made it better, this made it worse. But this is where I would personally start of taking back control because he's got too much of it. He's abusing his control because you tell him to do something, he's like, nah. And then sometimes you're like, okay. And then sometimes you're not. And so that's inconsistent with him. And again, I'm Uh not trying to be like, oh, it's like just with him. Like you can't do that with him. Like he... Like you see those movies where you get those like little malicious kids that are like, oh, they're 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 little sneaksters, right? Like you can't do that with him, because then he goes, oh, okay, and he takes that. You give him that little inch, and he just whoosh, takes advantage of you, and then cutting off his again his a majority of his freedom, and then you just start opening it up. So it goes from he ha- he has the whole world to really small, to then getting bigger and bigger until you find that secret sauce of where you you know feel safe allowing him to be okay all right well i guess we will start there and see how it goes um when when can we allow him to start interacting like we have two other dogs so when can we start allowing him to interact with the other dogs like are you thinking a couple weeks with these back to basics or no i i think it's really discretionary on how you feel i i I think you just have to play it smart like so again that's a very you know kind of loaded question because there's so many things that can make that right so here's how you would let's say this the question is more how can we introduce him not when so it would be okay if he wants to interact with the other dogs we're going to make sure there's no toys, there's no bones, there's none of that, there's no food. Um, uh-huh. We're going to make sure we have the e-collar on him. That, that way, if he does growl and snap at one of the other dogs, you can hold him accountable and let him know that that's inappropriate and let him know that he can't do that. Because up until this point, sounds like he's just kind of gotten off the hook with it. And then um, you, you would just do it slow. Personally, for me, it would be walks. I'd say, hey, I'm kind of nervous about this. 
he's kind of changed. I don't, you know, I don't know what to do. I don't know what he's going to do. I would make yeah. it easy. One of you guys maybe gets the older dog. One of you guys gets him. You go out for a walk. You come back inside. You see how they do. If they're looking okay, you let them have the freedom, right? And then you do it for 10 minutes, and then you put them up. Wow, that was great. No stress. He's gone. Because remember, the only way that you guys can really get better is if you're not stressed. And if you're sitting there like, oh, God, what's going to happen? What is he going to do? It's not going to yeah. happen. So get him in. Let him acclimate with the other dogs for 10 minutes like he used to. And then say, hey, buddy, come on. And then put a gate up and then put him in the other place. You know, put an X-pin up, put a baby gate up, put him on the other side. An hour later, give him another 10 minutes. And just start to literally, like some sort of science project, start to figure out, okay, this is working. Let's give him 15 minutes tomorrow. Let's give him 20 minutes tomorrow. And your job is to pinpoint if he has a bad experience or he does something, you got to try to the best of your ability to figure out what that was. What just happened that made him do that? That's your job. Right now, you have all these bad things happening because maybe you gave him too much boundaries and maybe you just weren't strict enough with him or maybe he's just starting to change. Who knows? It could be accumulation. Zoom all the way out and go, okay, we're starting over. Here's the dog. He has potential. Let's start acclimating him. And your job is to pinpoint the exact variables and triggers that causes the bad behavior. So you know. You can write, literally write it down in your Okay. We did 10 minutes, great. We did 10 minutes, great. 10 minutes, great. We did 15 minutes, and he growled at the puppy. Okay? So you know. And, and I, it's not going to go like that, but it'll be you got to start figuring things out. And best case scenario, I said worst case scenario maybe, is if he growls out of nowhere, you go, he growled out of nowhere. There was nothing. But right now you really don't know because you haven't been really focusing on it. You've just been noticing these things. Like when you said to me, after about the fifth time he got in somebody's lap, I'm like in my head, I'm like, why are we still on laps after the first, you know? So just remember like you're, you yourself are unintentionally not paying too close of attention and not being safe enough. Now you need to be. So you can go really slow to say, okay, what is the exact reasons why these things are happening? Okay. Is there something that you want to say or ask? Oh, no, my only uh, question was going to be, uh, it was just answered. So no, I'm good. Yeah. Okay. I think that we both are just very defeated. Sure. And and that's why I'm saying is like, you, you have to have good mental health going into this. So don't, so think about, could this go wrong? Don't do it. Or muzzle condition them or use an X pen or just take it slow. Like, here's the thing. You guys should just... After this, take deep breaths and go, hey. Because I think what dog owners do is they go they go into panic mode. They go, we got to make a decision right now. What are we going to do? And you don't. You don't have to do that. You're not in that ultimatum area. You're just going, something's wrong. Something's going on. Now, each day, each hour, you have to do the best you can to try to figure out what it is. And that's your job right now. You've just begun this journey. Okay. All the bad stuff has happened. Yes. Okay, this is bad. This kind of sucks. Yeah. This is overwhelming. And the only way that you're going to cuz dog owner you are your own you're your own worst enemy, right? Do, not just you just dog owners in general when they get into this state of mind, they teeter on very binary things in their head. We either going to get rid of the dog or everything's going to be exactly how it was. 
and you just take that off the table. Just be like, okay, let's be successful. We, we're still in control. This is our home. These are our dogs. This is our relationship. We're still in control. We're going to gain control. We're going to regain control and we're going to make sure that we do everything safely. So a, we don't have any more problems. So there's the big stressor that's gone. And Mm -hmm. once we start to acclimate the dog back into our normal daily routine, we're going to do it super slow. And the moment something happens, we're going to go, aha, what was that right there? Mark it down, document it as much as you can. So you can start figuring out these triggers in conjunction with working on the basic training to get this dog hopefully back into place, back into line. Um, and so that's what I mean. I know that you're overwhelmed and I know that it sucks, but I really would encourage you to start fresh and go, okay, this isn't an ultimatum that we have to make tonight. We have to just take our time to try to figure out what's going on. And that's how I, I would just do it day by day. Good day, good. Okay. Bad day, why was it bad? Write it down. Don't just, the, your goal is to almost have almost something bad happen and then try to figure out why. Because right now you don't have answers. You're just like, hey, our dog was great. Now they're growling at everybody. I'm like, okay. And I'll tell you this. Your dog growling was a decision, right? Meaning your dog, the people I talk to say my dog bit four people in the face this week. And I'm like, fuck, okay. That's a different conversation. Your dog is going, I don't like this. I'm uncomfortable with this. Your dog isn't taking people's faces off. Your dog isn't sending people to the ER. Your dog isn't mauling people. Your dog is making a decision and trying to figure out where that's going to go. So you should also have, talking to me gives you an opportunity to look at the glass half full too, because I can tell you right now that things can be a lot worse. Although you may not think that, but I'm telling you from my experience and what I do, things can be a lot worse, a lot worse. So that's the other thing too. Remember, your dog has made the decision to say, I'm not going to try to kill you, but I'm going to let you know right now that I'm not comfortable with this. So that's that's the grass is a little green on the other side there where you're like, okay, I didn't really think about that. You're thinking of like the absolute worst, which I don't blame you because this is as bad as it's gotten. But I also would encourage you to think about your dog made the decision not to bite these people. Maybe tried that one time at the gym or whatever or bit you, but like, all these other times that he's growling, like he's making these decisions. He's not just nailing, 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 because some dogs do. And you don't have a decision. It's it's behavioral euthanasia at that point. You don't have a decision. It's just too dangerous, right? That's not right. That's not what's going on. Your dog is like, I'm uncomfortable with this. But, you know, you got to work through that journey. So... <sighs> It's hard because I know that you don't have me, you know, in your back pocket or anything either because it's tough. So just do the best you can. Uh, You know, I have so many resources out there and ways to work with me and to get a hold of me. And so if you need me tomorrow, you can sign up. You know, it's it's you're not lost. You're not by yourself. It's it's a progression. And just try to take it day by day. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time. We really appreciate it. Um, and we'll definitely get started with back to his basics and enforcement and see how that goes in conjunction with his anxiety meds and all that. And we'll still keep, I guess, visiting the vet, um, to kind of see what's going on there. Yeah. Yeah. That's all you can really do. I mean, I just, like I say, get back down to the basics and 
right now you you know you're you just have to get back into offense of like how are we going to make this better instead of why is this happening and that may take some time because you know you're humans and it, it it's not the best place to be in but yeah it's what you got to do so all right well thank you very much enjoy the rest of your day we appreciate it all right guys good luck bye Thanks. you're bye. welcome bye all right first question comes from leanne mack amazing podcast love all the information you put out highly recommend i've been uh, binge listening to all your content and wanted to ask a question i have a 10 month old unneutered pot cake street dog from turks uh, he resembles a vishla he's dog friendly Severely anxious and scared of humans. Makes sense. Has food aggression. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. All of those things make sense because he lived on the streets, so he's got to like dogs. He's afraid of people he doesn't know because he lived on the streets, and he has resource guarding because he had to fight for his food to survive. All those make vent sense. The biggest issue with training is he's terrified of the leash because he's never had one. I'm just saying. Uh, the sidewalk, streets, and cars. So because he's on the leash, he's vulnerable. That's why he's afraid of it, likely. But walks are amazing on trails and uh, on leash, I'm close with other dog owners. Um, we got him after losing our old dog to cancer. I'm wondering how you'd recommend to start back on the basics and not giving up structure. The first thing is just take it slow. So I kind of like was answering those as you went through it. Um, you have to understand that putting a leash on a feral street dog that lived off tourism in one of the most beautiful places I've ever been to is... You know, really not a terrible life to live, it seems, but they they don't know what a leash is. So you say, hey, you can't go anywhere. And they're like, I've never seen a city. I've literally been on the beach and in the woods, and I don't know what's going on. And they, you know, so it's, it's really going to take some time in order for them to acclimate to that. And I would just be recommending going on short periods of walks um, in a heel and then breaking. So my biggest thing is just understanding that's why those are happening. So that makes total sense. And then just really taking your time with understanding um, the process of like, okay, this dog is going to be very, we're going to have to be very patient with this dog to acclimate. So, excuse me. So take your, it's just going to take time. Um, keep working at it. I would get a long line and I would be working on recall with the long line in these areas where the dog is a little nervous. So instead of like a four foot leash or a six foot leash, the dog's like, Oh my God, I've never been on a leash before in my life. Why am I tethered? Get like a 15 foot long line, let the dog out, recall the dog, make the leash fun. Like right now he goes out, he's on a four foot, six foot leash. And he's like, I can't escape. This is scary. I'm vulnerable. I hate it. I'm fearful. Give him more room. Let him be a dog. Recall him back. Give him high rewards. Fast him. No food, no breakfast. I got chicken in my pocket. Let him out. He goes to the end of the leash. Dog come. He comes back. You pay him. Make it more, make it an enjoyable experience first and then work on leash training after. Hope that helps. Thanks for listening. Winona Banana, seven stars. Thank you. Tom has gifted me with the skills, knowledge, and tools and confidence needed to bring out the good girl inside my 90-pound five-year-old shepherd mix. I've gotten her from the shelter three months ago and consider training reassurance with Tom's podcast and YouTube videos. We, can go. we can't go out in public without receiving compliments on her behavior, even at the vet. Uh, as we continue to iron out some behaviors and anxieties, I work on new skills. I'm immensely thankful for this free and informative content to teach me. Awesome. Tom, I recently realized that my girl doesn't know. Drop it. Any advice on how to train this? Also, what question do you wish people asked you more often and why? Okay. it's a good question. Um, drop it is going to be one of those things that you're going to probably start off with transfer value. So if they have something in their mouth, you're going to start cueing it. Drop out or whatever you want to use 
and you have a piece of, so they're not going to do that because they don't know what that is. So you bring a piece of chicken to their nose as they're biting the other thing. You say drop, they drop it, they get paid. And that's how you start that. And then you can cue it. Um, and you'll pay the dog for probably two weeks so they understand that when they drop, they get paid. Um, and in the future, when they drop the item, they get it right back if you don't have food on you. <clears throat> so there's that. And then any advice, um, what other question you wish people asked you more often and why? I would say, why is my dog doing these things? Not how to stop my dog from doing these things because... It is the fundamental, easiest way to train a dog if you reverse the question. And you don't even need a trainer. I've talked about it in pretty much every dog training content I th could think of, probably. People are always like, how do I stop my dog from pulling? Versus, why is my dog pulling? Because why is my dog pulling is going to give you the reason why your dog is pulling. Versus somebody saying, I want to stop this. And so you can't. You're not just going to stop it. You're going to stop this, right? So that's the biggest thing. Why won't my dog come back? That's a better question than how do I how do I stop my dog from ignoring me? So, yeah, it's, I just it's the I wish I got those questions because it's the mindset, right? Okay, next one comes from Joe D. Kell, five star review. The real deal. Tom is a gift and willing to share his insights in a very accessible way. I followed uh, his content for a long time and has been so helpful to foster, and have worked with some challenging dogs. My question is about the very rare but sad case where the dog may seem perfectly friendly with great obedience but will turn on their owners frequently in the evening seemingly out of nowhere i've heard it called springer rage it's a genetic issue have you well this is a good podcast for that isn't it um it's pretty much what we went over here um the best way to do it is you know blood test trying to figure out what those things are um and if it is a persistent attacking of people for no reason at all after done everything you possibly can, then, you know, there's nothing else you could really do. Um, but again, listen to this podcast again or even reflect on this podcast in, in, in the beginning because we went from maybe even that being this, right? So there's So for me, there's always like, these things that we start to uncover as we're working through. This is a this is an excellent podcast just for that, right? Where all of a sudden, you know, we didn't, I, maybe I didn't ask or whatever, but it was like my dog literally is being aggressive out of nowhere. And as we, you know, move forward in the conversation, oh, no, my dog has been like this, you know, and we started, oh, oh. Oh, 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 okay. So, you know, I think that that's an important piece is just making sure that every rock is tipped over uh, behaviorally and physically with a vet. Um, but then after that, there's, there's not, but, you know, I can always usually find a loophole, not a loophole, but there's always like a missing piece of like, oh, you didn't try this, you know? So you didn't think about this, right? There's usually a lot of that before we get to that point, to be honest. Um, but yeah, there is. Yeah, so that's it. Okay. Thank you guys so much again for listening and supporting the No Bad Dog Movement and podcast. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.